Have you ever seen the movie Jerry Maguire, Scott Kaplan? I have seen it. Do you know what John Ireland is right now? Tell me. He's your goldfish, right? You remember the scene where he's leaving the office and he says there's no loyalty in the agenting business and because no one wants to come with him and there's no loyalty, the, the goldfish are loyal. And he grabs, he fishes out the goldfish out of the tank and he puts the goldfish and he says, these goldfish are loyal. John Ireland is your goldfish. Yeah, he is. I appreciate that. I'll tell you who's not, and that's Bergman, because Bergman, he does, he's inaccurate. You see, that's the other thing, is that my, it's not that my kids don't want me to breathe or don't want me to eat. They just think that I breathe loudly, which I disagree, and they think that I eat loudly, which I disagree. And so it's not that they don't want me to breathe or eat two things that might kill me, which, by the way, of course, before, the, before I die, they'd be like, yo, can you Venmo me everything you got? But it's not that they don't want me to breathe or eat. They just think that I make noises. And it's really just one of my kids that really thinks I make these noises, and she makes a whole big deal out of it. So come on, Bergman, get the facts straight, man. Well, 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 well. Uh, I mean, it's it's an easy interpretation to say that they don't like the way you breathe and the way you eat, which would mean that, hey, they probably don't want you to breathe and eat. However, yeah. a bit of a leap, but yeah, it wasn't just your daughter um, because your son did confirm it, although he did say that the girls also say the same things about him. Right, right. They complain about his breathing and eating too. <laughs> right. So maybe it's a male Kaplan thing. I mean, I just can't believe I say this stuff on the radio. Because let me tell you, George, my timeline on Twitter fills up with people who are now talking to me about my breathing, my eating, my kids needing Venmo, um, whether they want me to be here or they don't want me to be here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why I do this to myself, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, let me tell you something. Um, Jennifer Aniston who everybody knows I have a crush on. And I'm talking about like a Tom Brady-esque kind of crush on Jennifer Aniston. I'm not intimidated, George. You know you know me. Sometimes I'm a little too overconfident even oh, yeah. for my own good. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But if you are a regular guy, and I think of myself as being kind of a regular guy, like do you ever see the movie Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield and Joe Pesci? You ever see that movie? Uh, vaguely remember it, yes. Yeah. I mean, come on, Nikki, let's show them we're a couple of regular guys around here. So I'm a regular guy. And if I'm going to date somebody as rich and as famous as Jennifer Aniston, you know what you really have to have from the very beginning? You got to have a lot of confidence. Now, you might have to fake it to make it, but you got to have a lot of confidence if a regular guy like me, who knows she's already been married, wasn't she married to Brad Pitt? Yes. I mean, if, if a regular guy like me, who's not exceptionally wealthy like Brad Pitt, who's not nearly as good looking as Brad Pitt, who doesn't have a whole bunch of great movies like Brad Pitt, you got to be awfully confident if you're going to try and date somebody like Jennifer Aniston. So John Ireland's right. I might lead with, you know, Jennifer, way back in 2010, I did do the Ironman World Championship in Kona, Hawaii. I mean, I might lead with that, George. Right, but I, I would uh, that would be a great way to lead. However, you did also say, and uh, Lindsay, welcome back today. Um, Hi, and I believe Lindsay was also here to hear this, which was that you would be a little, feel a little out of place if you had to go out in public with her because you'd get a little self-conscious about who's that guy, who's that person she's with, and you'd be like, oh, I mean, he's, I, I mean, 
you know, I'm a radio guy. I work on the afternoon. I'm a co-host of the afternoon drive show on 710 ESPN. And you'd feel a little sub, a little self-conscious there. I feel like, Lindsay, that would be his downfall is just his own insecurities. I think so. But, you know, with a little coaching up and a little, you know, we could, we could do like a little hype session beforehand. But I would yeah. definitely not lead with that. I would no. lead with, you know, one time – one-time NFL player, don't even say kicker because, you know, people yeah, right, tend to diminish right. the kickers a little. Just be like, right. oh, yeah, one-time NFL player, uh, you know, media legend, Scott oh, Kaplan, really? something really? like that. Yeah. How about if I led with something like this? Like, so, gosh, I, I can't place it, but you you look kind of familiar to me. Like, what oh, you're going to act like, like you don't I know who she know. is? Yeah, I mean, that, like if I yeah, act that, like I didn't know who she was, you yeah, know? That, that's, that's, that's not, not a good move. No, yeah, that's, that's a bad not, move. That is, immediately you're done. You're out there. Because everybody knows who she is. Yes, and that's kind of insulting. I would say something along the lines of, wow, you are a million times more beautiful in person than I've ever seen you on TV. Wow. Okay, that's hot. That is that is a very hot lead. That's the kind of line that I would use. That's pretty good. That's really good. I've made the mistake of saying to news anchors, wow, you look so different in real life than on TV. And they immediately <laughs> interpreted that as, what, what, what? I, I don't look as nice off air as I do on air? I was like, I wasn't, well, maybe I was trying to say that, kind of, yeah. I think I can date Jennifer Aniston. I do. I really do. We're the same age. Uh, we probably like the same movies, TV shows, music. Uh, we probably would like the same restaurants, assuming, of course, that she's buying. I mean, I really think that we could do this. I think that if the time permits in my life, George, you know, Lindsay, you know, I'm in a very happy relationship. I have a wonderful partner right now in my life, but should... Should Jennifer just walk into my life? Uh, for example, this weekend, I will be at Ohana Fest in Doheny Beach. Okay, so right there in Dana Point, I'm going to be there to see Pearl Jam Friday and Saturday night. If I run into Jennifer Aniston, something could happen. I mean, I guess something could happen. Uh, you know what did happen yesterday Tell is me. that the Dodgers showed that they are still badasses. That's what happened yesterday, and that is way more important than this mythical, nonsensical discussion of you trying to hit on uh, Jennifer Aniston. That's true. That's fair. Well, I'm glad that the Dodgers um, got you just to, to get excited because, remember, we've been going back and forth here for days. Should they rest guys and accept the fact that they're just going to be in the wild card or should they keep going for the wins and see if maybe there's a chink in the armor with, uh, with San Francisco, which there isn't thus far, um, and still go for the win in the division? So I'm glad to hear you get excited about this incredible comeback Wait, last I, night. I, I have not, I have, I've still been excited. I just still think it's the wrong path to take because they're not making up the two games. Now there's only four games left and there's two games to play. It seems even more stupid to keep trotting these guys out there, especially now that Scherzer, uh, his arm doesn't look, unless he's trying stuff that I don't know that he, he's just working on stuff, knowing that, you know, the, the postseason is what matters most. But now Scherzer all of a sudden looks like he's not Scherzer. Again, it could be just a blip on the radar. And that's what I would guess to say. But still think it's the bad move. Uh, but yesterday is encouraging in this sense. It's the first time, I, I mean, that I've watched a Dodger game this year, and I know they've had a lot more comebacks than this. They've probably had like 20 or 30 comebacks. But, um, it, man, it felt like this was the Dodgers from the year they won the World Series. This was the Dodgers the previous year um, when they were the team that led Major League Baseball and come from behind wins. That's what this team has missed. 
They've been middle of the road as far as comebacks this year, and that's been a pretty big staple for them over the last several years, particularly in the Dave Roberts era, that they've been the team that no matter what the score, they are not out of any game. And that felt like the times uh, of, of yesteryear when I was like, yo, these guys are never out of it. This is awesome. And it was one of the best innings I've seen all season for any baseball team, let alone the Dodgers. So can I tell you that last night, um, George, I had date night last night, you know? So, and, um, that so means you I missed a, it. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what happened. So, <laughs> so I'm at this restaurant last night, one of my favorite sushi spots, and we're putting down some, some sake pretty good, you know? Yeah. And I don't think that it's a good move to turn the Dodger-Padre game on on my phone and put it on the table. I, I just thought to myself, this will be a bad move. And I don't think Rachel's going to like this. So I chose not to put the game on my phone. However, I could see out of the corner of my eye TV. the TV in the restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so she's talking to me. And you know sometimes you and I are talking and I don't hear a word you're saying. And then like five seconds later I say the exact same thing and you start fetching about the fact that I wasn't listening to you. Remember that? Yeah. Okay, and you said to me, well, do you do the same do thing to Rachel? to Rachel? Right, yeah. well, I was doing that to her last night because I was watching the Padres and the Dodgers rather than listening to what she was saying. So I'm looking at the TV, and I'm saying, okay, Padres 5, Dodgers 1. Wow, that really surprises me because Scherzer's pitching, and my goodness, I mean, Max Scherzer's been lights out since he got to the Dodgers, and the Padres, they've given up on the season. they got nothing to play for here. I'm really surprised. Right. So... I leave the restaurant. I think I, I got home. I checked my phone. It was like nine to five Padres. I'm like, wow, this is, this is really shocking. You know, the Dodgers are in the middle of this, this division race, and they're going to lose to a team that has been falling apart the entire second half of the season. So I go to bed, right? I wake up this morning. My phone is blasted with people that are texting me going, the Padres should fire their manager now. He committed career suicide by not pulling that relief pitcher out of the game. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what, what, what happened? It was 9 to 5 when I went to sleep. So I go back and I watch the highlights, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me that the Dodgers hit four home runs. By the way, Cody Bellinger, this is exactly why I've been saying you keep putting him in that lineup. You keep having him take at bats because you need him to heat up for the playoffs. Big home run last night. But when I saw what the end result was and I saw what the Dodgers accomplished, it I knew in my mind I've seen this movie before and I had to go do a little bit of research about it. Do you know that back in 2006, I knew I knew this game. In 2006, by the way, Dave Roberts was playing for the Padres at the time. The Padres had a 9-5 to lead over the Dodgers in the bottom of the ninth inning. And the Padres gave up four home runs that ultimately uh, sank them. And the Dodgers went on to win. And Nomar Garciaparra hit the game-winning walk-off home yep. run in the 10th in inning. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I know I've seen this before. Yep. And granted, it was 15 years ago. But, I mean, when I went back to research this today, the names – for Dodger fans, I think you guys will find this interesting. Jeff Kent hit the first home run. J.D. Drew hit the second home run. I'm trying to remember who, who hit the third home run. I'm trying to remember. It's coming. Uh, Marlon Anderson. M Marlon Anderson hit the third home run. And then Nomar Garciaparra walked it off. And I'm trying, I may have missed one along the well, way. Well, the fascinating part was that Nomar obviously was on the call yesterday. 
Yeah. I because mean, Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser are out for health and safety protocols. I gotcha. Okay. Well, and Dave Roberts was there wearing a Dodger uniform right. when that night in 2006 he was wearing a Padres uniform. That was last night. I mean, that was incredible. And just by the way, on the San Diego side, at the end, after the last home run, the announcer from San Diego goes, well, folks, this is rock bottom. I was like, bro, yeah, it's been rock for bottom them. for months. Yeah. Um, he- here's what I would say. I knew you weren't watching the game. Do you want to know why? Tell me. Take a guess. Um, you didn't see me like any tweets? A hundred percent. When I was sitting there <laughs> tweeting about the game and that incredible eighth inning, <laughs> I noticed there were no likes from you. And I immediately said, he's not watching the game for one reason or another. And he's either asleep or he's out with Rachel or he's doing something with the kids. But he's definitely not watching this game because he would have either tweeted or at the very least liked anything that I tweeted. (laughs) I would have retweeted something for sure. Yeah, listen, it was one of those deals where I really, really thought this game's not going to be competitive. Scherzer's out on the hill for the Dodgers. And the Padres are a bunch of guys that have given up by now. They got nothing to play for. And I assumed wrongly so, that the Dodgers would just steamroll them. But, uh, man, what an insane comeback that was. And, by the way, the other part of it that was super interesting was that every home run went out over right field. So San Diego's right fielder, Will Myers, at the, the last one that he saw fly over his head, he's got his hands on his knees, his head down. Like, how did this just happen? Well, it did. Yeah. Well, not the Mookie one. Mookie went left field, I thought. Well, then call it the three of the four. Yeah, yeah. The Mookie last three. was in the seventh inning. I'm talking about, yeah, yeah the eighth oh, inning. Oh, the one's in the eighth. Gotcha. Yep. Um, yeah, it was it was insane. It was the most fun Dodger game I've seen all season. And there have been some good ones, but this was definitely one of them for sure. I would I say, though, this, George, and you and I, again, have been battling back and forth about rest, don't rest, you know, Scherzer versus Wainwright when St. Louis comes to town, et cetera. Um, St. Louis lost yesterday, although they won again today. So 18 of 19. But that's the kind of win last night for the Dodgers that creates so much momentum and excitement uh, that even if you don't win the division, which, like you're saying, two games down, four games to go, mathematically still alive, but not likely, um, that's the kind of win to me that propels a team into the postseason with so much confidence. Like, hey, so what? We're down by four runs. Big deal. We've been here. We've done that. No problem. I thought it was a huge win last night. I mean, yeah. monster, monster win. Even if you're playing a team that's eliminated and is done, it's still a monster win. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And look, there's a lot of other Dodger stuff to get into, including it's official what the wild card uh, pitching situation would look like now. We'll get to that. Um, does last night make you feel any better? Uh, it does for me and Scott. Curious to get you guys. And there's one specific issue in the field they need to a- address here. We'll get to that coming up in a bit. Plus, Could there be a familiar face coming back to USC as their head football coach? Oh, boy, you're going to want to listen to that. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Ooh, here, Kaplan. Do you know what the name of this song is? It doesn't have the words. 
I think it's clearly just the uh, – I, I, I'll do this. I'll give you a hint. Do you want a go hint? Ahead. Like a yeah, lifeline? Hint me. It is a um, – it is a dessert dish uh, with fruit in it. There's no way he knows it. Come on. Come on. Don't sell me short, Lindsay. Everybody knows this song. This is creme brulee, correct? <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, wait. I'm, my B, my B. Is this berries and cream? Close. I mean, you're closer now. Oh, you're much right. closer now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I don't know the name of the song, George. I'll, I'll take more of a hint if you want to give it to me. Um, it is... Okay, what... Lindsay, you want to give a better hint? It's... Okay, so your second guess is right, right, right there. You're pretty hot close. there. Yeah. Berries and cream is close. Have, you have one of the one of them is incorrect. One of the parts. I'm going to say yeah. that the, the berry part is incorrect. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Think of the yeah. other the other option there for the dessert. Okay. Uh, Besides ice, berries and cream. Oh, it's not berries and cream. Bananas and cream. No. I mean, really? No. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Come on. <laughs> Georgia. Oh, peaches and cream. Yes. There you go. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. yes. Peaches and cream. Very good. All right. Yeah. 112. 112. Peaches and cream. Yes. Yep. 112 peaches and cream. So anyhow, um, I, I got to get, I, I, I want to get to some of the non-sports stuff here in a minute, but I felt like I, this kind of blew my mind. I didn't hear this until much later in the day, mm-hmm. but Lindsay, is it true that Keyshawn went on his morning show today and made a recommendation or at least a thought process as to why USC could potentially bring back one Lane Kiffin to yep. USC? Yep, 100%. Trying to, okay. I guess, kind of talk people into it, maybe? Okay. Now, look, I know Key and Lane are cool. I, I know that. Uh, Michael Wilbon destroyed Lane Kiffin on PTI yesterday, as you brought up Kaplan and Lane Kiffin went back at him on social media. But I want to hear Key's reasoning behind this Lane Kiffin thing. He would be, as a immature dude, continuing to needle Nick Saban to an all-time high. He's not doing that. He's preparing to beat Nick Saban. When he was immature, he'd be on everybody's shows leading up to the game. He went on Paul Feinbaum's show. Who the hell doesn't want to go on that show leading up to one of the biggest games in the SEC when Paul Feinbaum's show dominates the SEC conference in terms of talking and, uh, you know, all the interviews and the verbal. That's, that's where you go. Who wouldn't want to do that? He, he, hasn't, he, did, he declined to come on our show because he needs to be focused on what's the task at hand. So that mature level continues to grow. No, no. It's to a point where he wins this football game. Mm. He becomes one of the front runners, in my opinion, to get rehired at USC. It makes sense. And none of us would have a problem rehiring Lane Kiffin at USC, even though he got fired on the tarmac. It makes because he was doing a hell of a job, minus the scholarships. Now, look, if number 12 Ole Miss were to upset Alabama, sure, could that be one of those things where, uh, you know, it would, it would prove that Lane Kiffin has grown, that he's a good coach, that – despite all the nonsense that surrounds him, that it would be uh, a big win for him both uh, for his team and for himself individually. Sure, I would agree with all that. Does USC really want to go down the lane train again? I mean, they fired the dude on the tarmac. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, different administration or different athletic department. Mm-hmm. However, I-, I just don't see this 
being the route they take. And I'm not saying that Key isn't right, that if he does if he wins this game, that he's gonna be a hot commodity again. I just don't know why USC would want to go down that path. Well, let's think about it the other way too. Why does Lane Kiffin want to go down that path? I mean Oh, I know why. Yeah. I mean I mean look wants let me to be back in LA. I mean there's that. Well, I mean, do we know that or we yeah, just assume I mean, that? I mean, listen, Key is saying that because it's probably the case, is my guess. Well, here's what I would say about Lane Kiffin. Okay, I think most people listening, George, especially USC fans, would probably, I think, be kind of shocked at the even the notion of Lane Kiffin returning to USC. Um, look, here's, here's the thing about Lane Kiffin. You may think of him as being a laughingstock, and, and some people do. Because when he left USC, he was way, way, way too young to get a head coaching job in the NFL. And when I say too young, I'm not saying that there haven't been other like early 30 guys. I mean, see Sean McVay. He was just in way over his head. And he didn't exactly go to an organization like the Rams where there was all this support. He went to the Raiders when Al Davis was still alive. Do you remember, by chance, when Al Davis fired Lane Kiffin? Yeah, he did that whole press conference with like um, um, a projector. He had like a projector with slides on it, like when you and I were kids yeah. and, the, and the school would have a projector, an overhead right. projector. Right. Um, and, 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 and Al then Davis. He, he ripped Chris Mortensen too, yeah. uh, Al Davis did. Al Davis, I'll never forget. You know, I'll never forget him saying this. I don't know why this, this resonated with me so, because we're talking about like 2008, okay? Yeah. Al Davis goes on television and he goes like this. He goes, Lane Kiffin is a liar. The way he said it, he's a liar. And and he just he was building his case to fire Lane Kiffin for cause in the court of public opinion. Lane Kiffin is a liar. So he had two seasons with the Raiders. He then went to Tennessee and was there for a year. But then, of course, USC came calling. So Lane Kiffin came back to USC. Mm -hmm. It didn't work out. We know he went to Alabama to work with Nick Saban. Yeah. But here's the here's the part of the resume that I find most interesting. You take two steps back to really take three, four, five steps forward. To go from Tennessee, USC, offensive coordinator at Alabama, to coach Florida Atlantic. Okay, the Florida Atlantic's in Boca Raton, darling, okay, where you go for the early bird special. You understand? It is retirement community, and there's no athletes going to that school, and they're never going to be any good. So he was willing to put his ego off to the side and take that step back, and then what does he do? He gets this job at Ole Miss. And now he's got Ole Miss number 12 in the country, and they play in the premier conference in all of college football where if you win that conference, you're playing for a national championship. If you're winning the Pac-12, you may, you may not play for a national championship. We all think that you would if you're USC, but you may not if you were Oregon State. All I'm saying is, is that Lane Kiffin has, th there's been a roadmap here. And he comes from a coaching family, and he's not as big a joke as, as people have made him out to be, even though he's contributed to all that. But in the final analysis, even though Keyshawn is influential in the USC family, I just don't see it. I don't see USC wanting Lane Kiffin, even if he does beat Alabama. And I'm not 100% positive that Lane Kiffin wants to leave the SEC to go to the Pac-12 to rebuild USC. I'm not sure. I mean, I, well, that that is a fair assessment, but I I think he does. Like, I, if I had to guess, he would be he would love to come back to Southern California. Um, and I do believe that. I, look, I think that this is not the same USC job that he left by any stretch of the imagination when he was here the the, the first time or the second time for that matter. And I and the second time obviously as the head coach. 
what I would say is there he is the type of guy that clearly can get kids to play for him. Like we've seen it. <laughs> um, you know, he went eleven and three at Florida Atlantic, for God's sake. And then has gotten Ole Miss, as you pointed out, to the number twelve uh, spot in the country. So he can recruit kids. Um, he's a decent offensive coordinator. I just think the immaturity stuff, you know, I believe that people can change, but I need to see it for longer than two seasons, basically. Um, and that's basically what it's been for him. And I'm maybe that's unfair of me, but I do believe that his reputation precedes it, itself, and, and it's deserved. So if you're Mike Bone, okay, at USC, and you're Carol Folt, and you're this, you know, the boosters and everyone involved, and maybe there are some people that want Lane back, but are you going to stake your reputation on Lane Kiffin if you're Mike Bone? Dude, I, I wouldn't, you know. It's, you know, my guess is he doesn't have much of a relationship with him, so I, I sure as hell wouldn't do that. I'm with you. If I'm, if I'm USC, if I'm Mike Bone, and this is the most important hire of my tenure at USC, and it, by, it might be my one and only chance to hire a head coach at USC because if it's a bust, chances are Bone is gone. Yeah, if Boney is out at that right, point. Yes. If it's successful, yeah. he, may, he may ride with this person for a really long time. So this could be Mike Bone's one and only opportunity to hire a head football coach at USC. Do you want it to be Lane Kiffin? Let me throw it to you this way. So far, the names that we've talked about. You ready? Uh, Eric Bieniemy, Anthony Lynn, Deion Sanders. I'll throw in my original suggestion, Jack Del Rio, and now Lane Kiffin. Of no, those Mario five Cristobal's names, name has been thrown around. Okay, Mario Cristobal. Yeah. But, but of those names, and I, I just want to remove Cristobal for a minute, and the reason is I don't think he would move. He's got it rolling at, at Oregon, and he's got so much financial support at Oregon. Why make a, I'll call it a lateral move? historically SC is the better program, but today Oregon's the better program. Why would you leave Oregon to go to SC other than money? Um, I, I still think it's easier to get kids. If you get the right coach, it's going to be easier to get kids to go USC than even Oregon, even with the Nike money. Like, yeah, I, 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 mean, do, I do believe that. I'll tell you, though, George, Oregon is just one of those schools every year. They come to L.A., they go to Orange County, they pull into San Diego. They do. And they, they pluck not, the not best every year. of the best. They were doing it with Chip a little bit. Um, they didn't do it under Helfrich, and Mario has been doing. Mario's the best recruiter in the Pac-12. He's arguably a top-five recruiter in the country. So I, I think wherever he goes, they're going to be good. Like, I that's think the reality you're right, of it. But I just don't see why Mario would even consider it. So just take him out for one second. Eric Bieniemy, uh, Anthony Lynn, Deion Sanders, and now Lane Kiffin. Of those, we'll call those the final four, just for the sake of our conversation. Rank those four. Who would you want one through four? If you're Let me USC? do it on the other side. Let me All do right. that on the other side. Plus a big announcement here in Southern California. We'll get to that coming up. Stick around. We're back in three minutes. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, Poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. <laughs> 
I mean, it definitely was much uh, more acceptable back in those days. Yeah, back then you could say things like that to people. The only problem for me is I was eight years old at the time. So. Wait, but how do you guys way. not know this song? Oh, I know this song well. From Happy Gilmore. That's how I know it. Oh, yeah. man. When he sings it into the intercom. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know this song. Like being a kid driving around, my mom would have the radio on. I know this song real well. Speaking but, of music. Yeah. Unbelievable Super Bowl halftime show set for Los Angeles with Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, and Mary J. Blige. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be more uh, added to that. But I would say that you, when you talk about, like, uh, just kind of those five and bringing that together, that ensemble together, that's that's as incredible a lineup as, as you can get, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like, man, like, first of all, you get the three – uh, L.A. acts, right, with Kendrick and Dre and, and Snoop and, you know, Mary J is just incredible, like, in general. And Eminem, obviously, very close and tied with Dre. So, yeah, like, I, I think that they it, – it, it's just an incredible lineup. I it, Look, I'm not saying the matchup won't be great, but I would say that the matchup will have a hard time competing against that lineup that they're <laughs> trotting out there for a musical act. Now, wait, take it to the next level. How about this? You ready? How about the Rams make it to the Super Bowl? And wait a second. Who do they play in the Super Bowl? The Raiders. Could you imagine the Rams and Raiders in the first Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium in the return of the Super Bowl to L.A.? And you've got these two teams and that halftime show how insane would that be? Yeah, no, that that would be the cherry on top, is if that's the matchup you would get. And look, if you got that matchup, and look, uh, it, at, right now it's possible, okay? Um, is it likely? I don't know. But it's definitely possible at this point. But if you can get Rams, Raiders, and then you have Dre and Snoop and Kendrick and Eminem and Mary J. Blige, you're going to have an amazing night. I don't even know what would happen in this town. <laughs> if if you had that matchup with that lineup, it would be as hot a ticket as you could get for a football or a sporting – well, maybe not a sporting event. Uh, as hot a ticket for a football game as you could get in this town. Yeah, I would go the other way and say sporting event as well, man. I'm telling you right mm. now, just, just right now, just the halftime show alone with nobody knowing who's going to play in this game and it's only going into week four. Like right now, if I could buy tickets to this Super Bowl right now – I'd be all over that possibility let, today. Let me tell you something. If yeah. there was a Lakers-Celtics Game 7 in an NBA Finals, that would be the hottest ticket well, in Los Angeles every Right, time. but there's also the difference of like 18,000 versus 70,000. No, no, I understand, but, you know? but that, that, that would be the hottest ticket. There, yeah. there's no question. I got to say, though, I've been seeing a lot of people today on Twitter saying, so look, the, the lineup looks incredible, and I agree that it does. And I've seen some people go, but I'm surprised there's not a rock band to throw into all of this. You know, and I was thinking well, to myself. Well, there might be. There might be down yeah, the road. Always, like they, yeah, they always add people. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking to myself, though, who who is the rock band? Guns and Roses. That's the first one but that comes to But they've already done enough. They've done the, like, Axel, uh, not Axel, but, like, Slash, Slash was just recently in one, right? Like a Super Bowl halftime act. Yeah, I, I don't recall. I mean, it's, you're probably right. I just don't recall. But I was thinking, like, who's the rock band that would be the right band to be involved with these amazing acts that the halftime show is already going to have. Slash was at the one with Black Eyed Peas and Usher. So okay. it was 2011. I okay. Think. All yeah. right. 10 years ago. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, best Los Angeles, like rock bands. 
Um, or like I mean, Guns N' Roses comes to mind. Red Hot Chili Peppers. There you go. Red Hot Chili Peppers, a great one. Yeah, Rage that's Against a great the call. You know? mm. yeah, Rage Against the Machine would be great. That'd yeah. be that. Why I did think you? Mm, why did yeah, you? Yeah, for me, I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers, I thought was a phenomenal idea. Rage Against the Machine, to me, doesn't have the um, the same notoriety. That's just to me. I mean, they, they're probably not as mainstream, but they are still really great. Oh, I know a lot of people that love Rage Against the Machine. But I I'm, think they'd go the best with the hip-hop acts, don't you think? Oh, I don't know. See, I go back to the Chili Peppers. I mean, Anthony Kiedis, he sort of raps, he sort of sings. I mean, there's, I mean, that is, to me, Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's a great call. I think Red Hot's a much better call than Guns N' Roses, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to see Axel out there. You know, I'm not, I'm not interested, you know. I think I, I like I prefer the Chili Peppers to Guns N' Roses if that's the question. Yeah, sure. So, um, what a lineup but, though! What a lineup, and and what a halftime! And I'll tell you, George, I know you've been to a bunch of Super Bowls. I've been to practically well, not practically. I've been to every Super Bowl since 1997, um, just because it's something that I go to every year. And I cannot. I've never been to a Super Bowl in Los Angeles. I can't wait to see what's going to be what's going to be done. I mean, you, you talk about a Hollywood presentation. I'm expecting this Super Bowl to be taken up every notch from every Super Bowl past. Uh, and the halftime show and the announcement today, it's a great start. Yeah. Now, the Raiders are coming to SoFi now, uh, this weekend, to take on the Chargers. Yeah. And you found an interesting stat, right, about like the percentages of the tickets already that have been distributed? Well, there's been some, uh, you know, some of these uh, third, I shouldn't call them third, aftermarket ticket broker types. Secondary market. There you go. That's what I was trying to say, but I came yeah. up with third rather than secondary. Um, I was yeah. Like, did you? Did they? Is that a new thing? Like, right. I was thinking, did they create like a different market beyond yeah. the secondary? market? Right. There's the secondary market, and then there's beyond. Then there's the third yeah. dairy market right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, I did. I, I saw somebody put out a tweet today that um, the uh, the the guess right now, at least this is the way it was posed. Uh, this is according to Vivid Seats and their fan forecast. I, I suspect what they mean by a fan forecast is this is based on where people have purchased tickets on the secondary market. Correct. And by the way, the, the tweet just and so And they also knows, probably have a good idea of what the season ticket base looks like too, is my guess. Yeah. Just so you know, the tweet itself came from a very, very, very famous Raider fan. So take this with a grain of salt. You know who Gorilla Rilla is? No. Anybody know Gorilla Rilla's work? Nope. No. No, you don't know who Gorilla Rilla is. Gorilla Rilla is the guy who's in the gorilla costume, who's got on all the Raider gear. That's his name. He's like the most famous Raider fan. Um, he put out this tweet, and it's from Vivid Seats, and they say 74% of fans attending the Raiders game at SoFi Stadium on Monday night, 74% of the fans at this game will be Raider fans. Now, do you think that number is too high, too low? You think it's right on? What would your expectation be over under on 74% Raider fans? Oh, I mean, I, I mean, if I had to lean one way or the other, I would lean over even 74%. I agree. I concur. I think that this will be an overwhelmingly Raider-centric fan base taking over this game which by the way is interesting because george you know the raiders played the dolphins this past weekend 
and uh, that game was up in Vegas. And, they, you know, there were a few Dolphin fans that were there. Um, I saw some pictures of some people wearing orange and aquamarine and so on. Um, not a lot, but some. But here's what I was told about this Raider game this past weekend. It wasn't sold out. I thought that was really interesting. This is like game two at the brand-new stadium, and I realize Vegas is not L.A. in terms of market size, but it's not Green Bay or Buffalo or Jacksonville either. Um, I was surprised to hear that there were about 3,000 empty seats, unsold empty seats in Vegas this past weekend. So I would think. Oh, you know why? I mean, I could tell you why, because I have a friend who works as a ticket broker. Yeah, tell me. A couple of friends, actually. And what happens is a lot of people there have bought seats to just sell them. And then they try to sell them for too much and nobody buys them. So that's why there are um, empty seats. I mean, I have a bunch of friends who went to watch the Dolphins play there last week. And and that that's the deal, basically. Yeah, I mean, it kind of surprised me because empty seats are one thing. That's when people bought a seat and didn't show up. But when they're not sold, that surprised me. But regardless, we know this. There are a ton of Raider fans in L.A. When the Raiders come to Southern California, the Raider fans show up. And if you're a Charger fan and you bought tickets, you generally know you can sell these tickets and take a big bite into your season ticket purchase for the season. So generally, um, a lot of a lot of tickets get sold secondarily to well, Raider fans. I, I, I'll say this: forget about that stuff. I'm just what this, what's gonna what's gonna be fascinating here is, you know that like, you know what? Let me do this on the other side because I have a take about how this is going to affect Justin Herbert particularly. We'll get into that, and this Rams Cardinals matchup is getting a little juicier. We'll explain why coming up on the other side. Stick around. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I loved Cheers. I was a little kid when Cheers was going on and still loved it. Um, Now, granted, I also grew up in a household where my parents let me watch, like, adult TV, like, at a very young age, like, stuff with cursing and even perhaps sex. Yeah. Um, like it was not taboo in my household, which is rare. I know for most families, particularly Latino families, but especially, uh, especially Latino families. But uh, yeah, not an issue. So I used to watch Cheers all the time. Like I remember, I don't know, being like seven or eight years old, and you know, Cheers had been around for a couple of years at that point, and just watching it like every Thursday night. It was, and I saw it till the end when Sam closed the bar. Like I watched the end. I've I've seen every episode of Cheers. I love it. I love Cheers also, and, um, you know, I have a big thing, like a big hang-up in my life, which is I don't like to have sweat under my pits, okay? And I'll never forget there was an episode of Cheers where um, they, they asked Norm. You know, Norm would always sit at the end of the bar, and he's always wearing a shirt and a tie and a jacket, you know? Yeah, Norm. And he, and he looks as uncomfortable as can be. Mm-hmm. And um, the other bar, what was the name of the other bar that was kind of the rival bar? Do you remember? I don't remember, but oh, I don't they, remember that. they sent a box, like a wooden box to cheers. And so everybody said, well, Hey Norm, will you open it up? 
And Norm goes, nah, I don't want to open it up, man. I don't want to get up. I don't want to sweat. I don't want to pit. And they're like, what? And he's like, oh, okay. So he gets up. He takes off his sport coat, and he is just soaked under both armpits already, you know? And I don't know why, but as a little kid, I saw that and thought, I just don't want to show armpit sweat ever, ever. And it was just a show like that 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 subconsciously put it in my brain and a lifetime of fear of, am I pitting right now? Do I have, do I have pit stains? Man, I'm telling you, it's like I saw Peyton Manning the other night on Monday Night Football and Eli called him out. Eli's like, yo, I'm wearing a sweater and you're, you're sweating under your pits on national TV. See, that would humiliate me. <laughs> I mean, it happens sometimes. But yeah, in theory, you don't want that to be the case because it, it connotes that you're nervous. Is yeah. Cheers like a good show to go back and watch, like if I've never seen it? Um, I, I don't know how it holds up because I haven't watched it in a really long time. But I would presume so. Remember, this is network television in the 80s and early 90s, right? So, um, but they did, you know, I, I thought the interactions between the characters, there were a lot of great characters on that show, were fantastic. I'm trying to think of all the different stars that were on that show. You know, Woody you Harrelson. About, okay, Woody Harrelson. Kelsey Grammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Ratzenberger. George right. Went. Rhea Perlman. Shelley Long. Yeah. Uh, Kirstie Alley after that became yes. kind of the love interest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was... And obviously Ted Danson. So. Yeah, and, and what a career. When you think about a guy like Ted Danson, that's you're going back into the early 80s and, and how he's still today. I mean, of all those people, I mean, Woody Harrelson, I would, I would say, is probably there as well. But, I mean, those guys have withstood the test of time. They've had, like, 40-year careers. It's amazing. So, wait, if it was on network TV, though, but, Sedano, you said that it was a show that your parents let you watch. Couldn't have been that like edgy. No, no, right? my parents didn't care. But what I'm saying oh, okay. is like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was definitely adult humor. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like hokey. I didn't think. Okay, I mean, I wasn't even allowed to watch The Simpsons growing up. So, I mean, that seems excessive. Oh my god! I don't know. To... I remember watching turning on The Simpsons after because we watched like TGIF, you know, the Full House and Step by Step, all the shows that we talked about. Um, and I remember turning on The Simpsons, or it was on after something one time, the news or whatever, and it was this episode where the beginning of it, it's like a parody of like the Steamboat Willie uh, Mickey Mouse cartoon, yeah. mm-hmm. and he stuck his head into like the the coal burner of the boat, and he pulled his head out, and it was it was like the Itchy and Scratchy cartoon, and his head was yeah. all burnt, and my dad was like, that's terrible, turn it off, turn it off, and I remember like, we had a lock on our TV. Like, the, there were certain channels that we were allowed to see. The rest of them were blocked. My mom blocked them on our TV. Wow. You had that restrictive of, par- of a parent. Like, I was the yeah. complete opposite of that. Same. We had cable. Like, I remember one of my one of my earliest memories of watching a movie with my parents at my house was, like, watching Rosemary's Baby, which is a crazy, awful, um, like, horror movie from, like, the early 80s. I am with you. No. I, had, I had no restrictions of any kind. I would stay up late on Saturday nights, and I would set my VCR to record Saturday Night Live, and then I would go back and I would watch it because there was a remote control, even though it had a wire from the VCR to the actual remote control, and I would watch it over and over again. Or I would get Eddie Murphy's like um, cassette tapes, and I would listen to them forever and ever. And oh, yeah, them I used to watch Eddie Murphy Raw on VHS yeah, right. all the time. Oh, and yeah. I, had these, I had all these Eddie Murphy bits like memorized, and then I would use that language. And then my mother 
would get so angry with me for using that language. I remember one time she took a cassette tape, put it on the floor of the kitchen, and stomped on it. That's my favorite cassette <laughs> tape. And she was stomping all over it. And I've continued this, by the way, George. My daughter was two years old, and she was watching the movie The Hangover. And I would have friends over, and i go, hey, Julia, do that bit from The Hangover. And then she would go, you are the craziest mother effer I've ever known. And she would be cursing her, her, her you know, this is a two-year-old. Um, so I just, it just didn't matter to my parents. It didn't matter to me. Well, yeah, I think that me. if you make stuff taboo, I think it's worse, personally. I remember one time I went to the movies. Back in the day, at least around me, if you wanted to go see a movie that was rated R, and, you know, I was in middle school, I think, you had to have the parents buy the tickets. And it, my movie theater, they had to sign it. Like, they had to sign the back of the tickets <laughs> to say that, like, they bought it and you didn't just, like, you know, have some random person there. So, anyway, one of my friends... Her parents were fine with it. And so they, they took us or they bought us tickets to go see Scream and it's on the back of the ticket river. And my mom found out afterwards and she never let me hang out with her again. Wow. wow. It's a strict family. Good yeah. Lord. Very strict. Yeah. That's, well, that's I'm really Midwestern mean. values right there. There you go. That's right. Not, not, not like us. You know. Not these coastals. Yeah. We grew yeah. up in a community of hedonism. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, you can go back and watch. I think I think Cheers was very well written. Um, I thought it was a good, fun show, to be honest with you. But anyway, uh, Kaplan, before I get to finishing the conversation uh, that we were having about the about Justin Herbert, I was going to make a point about Justin Herbert. Yeah. You asked me in the previous segment about right. uh, USC's coaching hires. Right. And you had I gave the, you a final you had a four. list. Right? I gave you a Bien-Ami, final four. You had yep. Lane Kiffin, Bienemy, and who else? I said Lane Kiffin, Bienemy, Anthony Lynn. And Jack Del Rio, I think that was who. No, 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 yeah, Deion that, Sanders. Excuse me, Deion Sanders. Oh, Deion Sanders. Right. right. So you got Deion, Anthony Lynn, Eric Bieniemy, and Lane Kiffin. If you're down to that final four, put yourself in the role of Mike Bone, the athletic director of USC. You got four finalists. You get to make the call, George. You're the athletic director of USC. Of those four guys, who's your next head coach? Um, it would be if I had to just pick one. Um. It's between Eric Bieniemy and Dion. Um, but to your point, you made a good point about this when we talked about this last week. Is that you just don't see Dion leaving um, Jackson State. So because of that, I would hire Bieniemy. I think that Bieniemy grew up here. I think he understands USC. Played in the Pac-12. Understands the Pac-12. Has just had an unbelievable run with one of the greatest offensive teams in NFL history, basically, with Kansas City and coached one of the great quarterbacks and got to learn under Andy Reid, I would give him the job, personally. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if I were down to those final four also, I I, I know Dion knows L.A. because he's got the NFL network work, but I but he's not he's, – he's coming from this smaller program and he hasn't been there that long, and people say, well, he could put together the greatest staff you've ever seen. Okay, I mean, it's just that's just all talk for right now. If I were going to give one of those guys a shot, and I'm Mike Bone, and I've got to take a risk with my career, or at least my tenure at SC, I think I'd take my risk with Bienemy. I think it's time for Eric Bienemy to be given an opportunity. Yeah, and, and by the way, I, I've heard people on these USC podcasts who do, you know, look, I'm not demeaning them. They do a great job, and they cover USC way better than um, most places, you know, 99.9% of places. But I've heard a lot of these USC podcasts, and I heard John Ireland talking about this with Mason, about Eric Bieniemy's past. I'm using air quotes. Yeah, dude, he got so he got into some fights when he was 20. Like, really? And we're gonna 20, 30 years ago, we're gonna hold this stuff against him. Like, 
you know, and he got into an issue with like a parking attendant or something. And it was a woman. Now, my understanding is I don't know if there was a physical altercation. I, I haven't seen that. Um, none the, my understanding that wasn't the case. Um, and nor do I want to go down that path for very long anyway. But if we're going to start holding stuff against him for 30 years ago, like, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're saying people can't grow from 30 years ago? It's exactly my my same point, regardless of the problem. My same point with... Well, I don't know about regardless people, of the problem. Well, there has well, to be a I'm governor just, somewhere. I, but I'm just saying people grow up. You know, when people are young, they make mistakes, they do stupid things. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that you are exiled for life. I mean, Andy Reid clearly understands that Eric Bieniemy is... Um, a guy that you can count on, that you can trust, that shows up for work every day, that works really hard, uh, is a complete professional, hasn't had any kind of problem of any sort in 20-plus years. Uh, listen, I'm a, I'm a forgive kind of guy. You know, It doesn't mean you always have to forget, but you got to give people second chances. And I think to hold that against him, whatever these transgressions were 25, 30 years ago, I think Eric Bieniemy has earned his chance. Now, whether or not he wants to leave the NFL, whether or not he wants to really coach college football, if he wants to do the recruiting, I can't answer that for you. I don't really know the answer. But if I, again, if I were down to Final Four, and if it were Bieniemy and Dion and Anthony Lynn, I'd throw him right out. And listen, I mean, Lane Kiffin, and we can talk about it, but I'm still not into it, and I'm not sure he wants to come back. But that all being said, I'll take Bieniemy. I'll take my chances. And, you know, I know he had a DUI when he was, you know, know, 20 years ago. Look, man, I'm not condoning drinking and driving by any stretch of the imagination. I I believe if it it can happen to almost anyone once, and I know this because I know people who've had them, and they have, they have, I mean, I know two people that have quit drinking after it, which, you know, is great, you know, but what I'm saying is, man, like, people can learn from their mistakes. If we don't let people learn from their mistakes, again, there's a great, there's a scale to all of this, right? Like, there are degrees to all of this, you know? Giving OJ a second chance is a different story, you know what I'm saying? Ray Rice didn't get a second chance. There was video, you know? Right, and and, and that was way worse than anything that Eric Biennemi has been accused of, okay? So, um, I, I get that. I understand that. But it's like we we gotta let people learn from their past transgressions if they are minor in theory, quote unquote, minor offenses. All right, um, real quick, I never got to the Justin Herbert stuff. Let me no, do that on the other side, and I still want to get to the Rams stuff because there is a lot of stuff sizzling when it comes to this particular game uh, between the Rams and the Cardinals. We'll touch on that coming up in a bit. Plus, we got some cool Laker news in the next hour as well. Stick around. 